Are you ready? It's that time! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fourth episode of season five of Man Buns and Jesus. Uh, no one has stopped us yet. That's why we're still going. And we're at this point, we're over 100 episodes and over 3,000 downloads. So thanks for that. That's great. That means we're averaging 30 listens per episode, which is more than I would expect. Um, in any case, you're here. Uh, I'm Josh Laborious. I'm one of your hosts here at this show. And uh, with me today is Benjamin Olschlager from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in someplace cold. And uh, he's going to get us kicked off with uh, where we're coming from in Scripture today. So uh, I'm going to do what no podcast host ever tells you to do. And I'm going to tell you to stop listening to this podcast but just for a minute. We're going to talk about the plagues today, and rather than me sitting here and reading for you two chapters of scripture, uh, which would take us 10 minutes, I'm just going to tell you, go to Exodus 7, start at verse 14, get yourself through chapter 9, verse 7. Those are the five plagues we're looking at today. And just as a reference for those of you who aren't going to actually stop to do the thing that I just told you to do, which, shame on you, uh, we're looking at plague of water being turned to blood, the Nile being turned to blood, frogs, plague of gnats, plague of flies, and the plague of all of the livestock in Egypt dying. So, rip. Yeah. Uh, we're, we're splitting the plagues this way uh, as a, like, here are the plagues that really directly affect the people, and that's going to be next week, and this week is here are the plagues that just show God's authority over creation, um, but also still kind of make things miserable for a lot of people. Um, but Josh, who did we bring on to talk about all of these wonderful things with us today? We we brought back, uh, and for those of you who can see the video, you might have already seen him. Uh, we brought back someone who has been on the show before. This is the esteemed Reverend Ryan Mazur, uh, coming out of Plattsmouth, Nebraska. And uh, what episode did we bring you on for previously? I feel like it was also something vaguely creation related. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Are you I got gardening advice about, out of it. I think it was care of creation or something like that. So, yeah. That sounds about right. Was I know it I got that or was it hobbies it. and it ended up being care of creation? <laughs> Uh, yeah, interchangeable for me. So. Yeah, fair <laughs> so our our resident creation expert Ryan Mazur is on the show for us. Uh, as we talk about kind of these plagues, which in and of themselves are worth talking about, but also kind of how our sin impacts this creation that we live in, even though we might not see a direct. I mean, because like if you. Yeah, even though we might not see a direct correlation. So with that kind of introduced, um, Ryan, which one of these plagues kind of catches your eye? What like where does your head go when you think of these five plagues? Yeah, um, right out of the gates. Uh, the first one um, always catches my attention. Um, and I think it really has to do with kind of looking at um, the kind of the historical context of where uh, Egypt is um, in the world and everything else. Um, we're told that um, that through Moses, God turned uh, the whole Nile River into blood. And um, man, uh, the whole economy, the whole infrastructure of Egypt was centered on the Nile. Um, you know, from a from kind of an economic standpoint, um, you know, we see that, you know, trade, uh, of course, um, went up and down the Nile River back then. Um, and then also uh, the water of the Nile itself, right? Um, the people, uh, the whole government, 
uh, of Egypt relied on um, the Nile uh, for watering, for irrigation, for um, you know taking care of uh, the land, the crops, everything else. And uh, once a year, we're told um, that the Nile uh, would flood, and it's with those flood waters where you know uh, the whole kind of Nile River uh, Valley, if you will. Um, would kind of re receive that replenishing of uh, just not water, but also nutrients. And so um, when we're told that, you know, God turned the whole Nile River uh, into blood, um, that was a huge deal. Um, it cut right to the, the heart of, uh, of Egypt, uh, quite literally as a nation. So um, I also, too, I know you guys aren't, you know, thinking so much about the people in these plagues here, but uh, thinking about uh, what the Nile meant for uh, Egypt, um, theologically speaking, too, yeah. for the religion. Um, uh, there were uh, specific gods that were um, assigned uh, to the Nile, if you will, that represented the Nile. And here God cuts right to the core of uh, of Egypt's worship as well. So, um, so yeah, right out of the gates, uh, God makes a really big statement. Uh, don't mess with me. <laughs> um, a warning and, that goes you know, unheeded. Yeah, yeah. Uh, don't mess with me, and uh, really calling to attention. Hey, I'm uh, I'm bigger than your gods, and I'm able to absolutely um, to cause havoc, wreak havoc upon uh, your whole economic um, economic system. So, um, I, I think more on a practical everyday life, you know, um, for the average person, for the average farmer, for the average creature, even, you know, uh, seeing the Nile turn to blood uh, caused a lot of, lot of alarm, um, caused a lot of fear. Um, of course, they could get water from other sources, uh, from wells and every everywhere else too. Um, but the Nile was pretty much the main, main place to go uh, for water. So. Yeah, I... I got a lot of questions on this. So Yeah, go for it. And I don't know if you can answer any of these. But my That's one lot, is how what is the span here? Right? Because and there shall be blood throughout all the land of Egypt, and this happens, right? Mm -hmm. The fish in, in the Nile died, the Nile stinks. Um but it doesn't it doesn't give a timeline for like how how long until this ends and then there's this second interaction with fit. like are we saying oh the now was it was blood for a few days or was like was this like a month or months that this is all blood um right my right. second thought was does it smell but i guess when i actually looked at the text it answered that for me but then i was also thinking because when when i think of this i think this is cataclysmic right mm -hmm. Which on one level it is because there's no, this this major source of drinking water is gone. But I was also thinking to myself, if you mess with the water, you're messing with the crops. But then I thought about that a second and I'm like, I feel like blood might actually be a good fertilizer. I don't know if that's true. I'm not the agriculturalist and I've never tried to sacrifice an animal to make plants grow. But part of me thinks, I mean, I imagine it's more nutrient rich. And I I don't know if it has enough salt content that that would cause a problem, but these are the places my head goes when we're starting to talk. And the other is an experience I had in college. I was doing some woodworking with African paddock, which is an exotic wood, um, and it's 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 brilliant red. It's like unnaturally red. And I was making a frame and like happens when you would work i there was sawdust everywhere and when i was done for the day i i did all this in a, in a driveway so i took a hose as one does to rinse the sawdust off the driveway and what i discovered is that the sawdust of african product when mixed with water looks exactly like blood mm -hmm. like to to the I was concerned when my my dad came home from work that he was going to pull into the driveway and think someone died because it was covered in what looked like blood. And I've always thought, I bet that's how Egypt Pharaoh's magicians did it, is they got 
they got this tree that would have been within the region at least that they were at uh mm -hmm. and they just ground up the sawdust and put that in some water and said look we made blood out of water too don't taste it because it's not blood but shh yeah or kool-aid right <laughs> don't drink the blood kool-aid uh, yeah. i have you guys seen the, the like animated depiction of moses leading the people of, e of israel out of egypt like yeah. i'm pretty sure that when the magicians do it by their secretive arts there's like two of them huddled around this like little teeny glass of water and they like very obviously sprinkle something in there and suddenly red and then moses like i have i have to feel like moses on some level had like a modern head and hands kind of moment like guys whole river little cup yeah we're like we're playing different games guys yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and it certainly seems like that after the first few plagues you know there there comes a point i think it's with uh or is it the fifth or sixth plague where yeah they're they're outmatched you know and it becomes so widespread where yeah um but yeah as to your questions josh i mean those are some really good questions um yeah what about the time between the plagues um i'm inclined to, to i mean we're not told you know in the text specifically oh it you know it was two weeks and then it was on to the next one right but this we do get the actually. what's that this one says seven full days before he okay. went back to Pharaoh. All right. Just goes to show I need to read the text. So um <laughs> which one yeah. says that? <laughs> First one. It's right at the bottom of chapter seven. There we go. Awesome. All right. Oh, look at that. Yeah. You're welcome. So yeah, seven days in of itself is is a good and long enough time to cause some damage. Um my mind goes to, you know, uh, growing up in Minnesota uh, near the lakes and everything, even down here in Nebraska and the man-made lakes, um, when there's winter kill or when there's, um, you know, very low oxygen content in the water, uh, it doesn't take long uh, to kill fish. Uh, I remember um, a couple summers ago being up in northern Minnesota and uh, the whole place just stunk. And everywhere you looked, there were dead fish floating on the surface and it was something with uh, winter kill plus um, low oxygen. And um, yeah, if it's kind of a widespread thing in a body of water, um, it doesn't take long um, for it to cause, you know, that that level of death. So um, and what we see in kind of these other plagues, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, the, the flies, the gnats, uh, even the locusts later on, I was drawn to the locusts just because of uh, of a little bit of Nebraska history too. Um, you know, if you want to talk about locust plague, just look up Nebraska, eighteen seventy four, and uh, it was it was bad, it was ugly. Um, but anyway, that's for your next conversation. So, um, but the point is uh, that there's enough widespread damage, and there needs to be enough time for obviously it's to impact everyone so um i think in one of your questions there josh you brought up kind of a a different interpretation of these things um kind of in in research and so forth um there's a lot who will try to put a naturalistic um rendition or explanation on these things that okay uh, especially with the first one right um the water turned to red and so that could have just been a big red algae bloom or something or it was just you know um you know you bring up the example of the sawdust in the water right um well again it comes to the issue of well do we do we take it at face value or do we try and explain away these things and um, i'm inclined to think yeah um, that was blood in the water um Blood. Where, well, I don't yeah. think it was blood in the water. I think it was blood. Yeah. But water exactly. Was, well, exactly. as much I guess as blood has water in it. I'm not. Whatever the percentage breakdown is, yeah. But um, yeah, that was blood. And this much I know, you probably don't want to be applying only blood to your fields. Um, so there is such a thing as fertilizing fields with blood meal, uh, which is kind of the the solid parts of blood and so forth. 
but again, it's just used as a fertilizer. You're not, you yeah. know, you, you're not using that as your sole application. So. I would invite our audience, if they have any expertise, to tell me what would happen if you watered a field with blood. However, I'm not sure I want to know why you know that or how you came to know that, how anyone came to know. Cause like the quant, if you are, if you are actually like a, any sort of real farmer and you have this massive field, the quantity of blood you would need to water a field with it. Like we're talking mass ritual sacrifice amounts of blood. And that I, I feel like there are some ethical concerns with that particular experiment. You, um, you underestimate the scale of industrial farming in this country, Josh. Uh, I think we could make it happen if we really wanted to. And also, I have so many concerns with that comment, and I don't want to talk about any of them. I so I, I want to side with Mazer on this one, um, mostly because, like, I know what happens when you fertilize and then don't water sufficiently. Mm -hmm. You just mm -hmm. over nutrient, like you provide too many nutrients to your plants and they die. Yeah. Like, I guess that comes down to what's the ratio of water. I don't think it's blood. Blood is thick enough. I don't think you're going to be able it is to. It's thicker than water. Over. We know that. <laughs> okay. So, well, and Ryan, to your comment, uh, dismissing all this silliness of. <laughs> of like there are ways to rationalize at least some of this and that's i that's what we see pharaoh doing at first mm -hmm. where he has mm -hmm. his magicians replicate the plague somehow now i would say when it comes to the magicians i think they're probably finding a way to make it look like they're replicating this terrible miracle from god okay but then it gets to this point and i think it's in it's in the, the third, third plague. plague. The magician, and this is for anyone who's following along, this is chapter 8, verse 18. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. And then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. So for them, even, there reaches a point where they can't rationalize it away anymore. And you got to keep in mind that this discovery that insects don't just spawn, that there are like eggs and stuff involved, that was not until much more recently where there were experiments done. It's like, oh, if we seal meat and don't let anything have access to it, flies don't and maggots don't just magically appear. Right. Um, but yeah. that's a fairly recent discovery. So it makes a little sense that the magicians are like, we don't know where gnats come from. We can't make them appear out of, out of nowhere. Um, so maybe we can rationalize a little bit further. But I think once you get to the livestock dying, it's like, okay, you have to, there's a, you have to jump pretty far on rationalizing it away to be able to say that God had nothing, like all the livestock all of them died all at once and you're saying i don't know that there's a a reasonable way to dismiss that yeah yeah um you know very early on you're seeing that yeah these are not ordinary things you know um you know i mentioned you know once here the nile would would rise would flood right um you know, there's there's evidence that there would be, you know, outbreak of flies, right? Uh, if you've ever been around a farm or some sort of smelly place in the summertime, yeah, it's an outbreak of uh, flies. Eastvale, California. Um, yeah, uh, or the state of Nebraska, um, or our sanctuary here in the fall. So <laughs> um, that's another story for another time. But, um, <laughs> but you know yeah but you're absolutely right by the fifth plague it's like yeah this doesn't happen okay um you know livestock all these things right don't die all at the same time and Especially i think it's important <laughs> when some of them are set apart because they're owned by a different group of people they don't die yeah yep 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's a huge dis um, you know, distinction in the fifth plague is it's just the Egyptian livestock. Because, I mean, I'm sure you'll talk about this in your next session. I don't want to go too far into it, but you see, okay, uh, things like hail and other things affecting livestock. And it's like, well, I thought all the livestock died, right? Well, um, Israel, uh, children of Israel still had their livestock. And presumably, um, you know, the Egyptians would buy livestock, you know, exchange and trade with uh, the children of Israel. So um, that's one thing that has always, you know, caused me to question, okay, well, why do we still see livestock appear? Well, children of Israel still had it. Um, the surrounding nations probably still had livestock as well that they could import. So yeah. how, how Egyptian did you have to be for your livestock to die? And if it was in this span of the plague, like, so, so day one, Egyptian livestock die. And this is, so this is a hypothetical timeline for anyone listening. This, imagine day one, livestock dead. They all just fall over. You see a bunch of cows just dropping and it's like, it's really sad. Uh, but it's also kind of funny because all the cows kind of just flop over at the same time. This is day one. Day two, the Egyptians are like, we really want our cows or whatever else. So they go to the Israelites and they purchase some cows. But uh, Moses hasn't had this follow-up conversation with Pharaoh yet. So the plague technically is still going on. Is it like, oh, I'm an Egyptian. I have paid for this animal. And then cow drops dead. Like, is the plague, is, is the plague still happening? I'm going. And they're like, oh, I guess, I guess the reset cooldown hasn't timed out yet. I can't buy any cows yet. And then uh -huh. after Pharaoh has the conversation, it does the news go out guys we can buy cows now they're not going to die as soon as we pay for them yeah yeah i think i mean i i'm not sure i can answer that part of it if it was an ongoing i can say this much where you know it just wasn't the death of you know um the livestock in that moment you know but also uh the death of uh the chance of having any livestock born soon right um, cause again, thinking about the, the role of livestock, you know, and, and the lives of, you know, uh, the ancient people, whether it's Egypt, Israel, whoever, I mean, livestock, uh, were these people's livelihoods, right? Um, they relied on them just not for, for sacrifices, you know, in their worship, um, but also, um, in, you know, making a livelihood as well, right? In addition to, you know, farming the fields or, um, public service or whatever else, right? Uh, trading, um, but you know, presumably the the livestock that died also, you know, um, many of which probably were were pregnant, uh, were you know that they had these animals uh, that they relied upon for uh, their future needs as well. So, um, so it really kind of you know put a damper on any sort of you know livestock commerce production etc even their military might because yeah. egypt is renowned for their chariots that's again and again and again israel's actually faulted for relying on the chariots of egypt ladies and gentlemen uh people do not pull chariots that's uh as far as i'm aware that's a horse or camel thing i think camels did it for some culture i don't know uh but it also depends on whether you count <clears throat> horses and camels as livestock which they're listening on... it says the very severe plague upon your livestock in the field horses donkeys camels herds flocks okay yeah you're right i missed that one which makes you think when pharaoh's pursuing israel into the red sea how diminished are his forces because his chariots are limited by the horses he could get his hands on after this plague it does say I bet it matters field, because though. you know God just drowns them all, so it didn't matter how many he had. Mm -hmm. but, I think it would have they would have been severely afflicted or affected early on, but also thinking about you know the power um, of Pharaoh um, in that part of the world, and uh, probably also the the leverage he had in in trade and commerce and so forth uh, that he was able to 
He's probably put together an army pretty quick. Yeah. 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 It probably wouldn't have been, you know, at its height or at its prominence or so forth, but um, it would have been. Enough to catch some runaway slaves. Yeah. Yeah. So two questions that I have that I don't know if we're going to find answers to. Well, we almost certainly don't have answers to. So this is more of like, am I overreading this? One, at the end of the book of Genesis, it establishes that Pharaoh trusts people of Israel so much with his herds that they just become like the default herdsmen of the land of Egypt. So do the Egyptian animals die in the midst of the Israelite flocks? So like if an Israelite is looking after Egyptian flocks because they just have those skills, say there's like 100 sheep, and like 30 of them are Egyptian and the other 70 belong to the Israelite or vice versa. Does like, part of this herd die? Yes. Huh. Or because it's an Israelite's responsibility, does God allow those, those sheep to live? Oof. That's me overreading things and also overthinking things because that's what my brain does. But we're throwing out there. Also, second, uh, and this again might be me overthinking things, but uh, he specifically or Moses notes in in chapter nine that it was the the livestock that are in the field, the horses, donkeys, camels, herds, and flocks, which makes me think maybe the the horses for chariots they probably would have been much more pampered, may not necessarily fall into that category. They might have been stabled. Yeah. This makes me think like the or the animals that you either use for agricultural purposes, like drive a plow, or uh, the animals that are there for food purposes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. are the ones that are, are really facing the worst of this. Yeah, kind of that trained versus untrained um, or specialized use. Yeah, yeah, you might yeah. be onto something there with that. Um, again. Okay, yeah, what's all hinging on that that phrase, you know, in the field, right? Yeah. Um, and to me, the only reason I bring that up is like, if God's going to eventually let his people reach the Red Sea, cross it on dry land by parting the waters, and then annihilate the armies of, of, of Egypt and of Pharaoh, why not just let them have all of their horses? He wants to make sure the army can get there. The event. Like, yeah. yeah, you might as well like make yourself if you're in God's shoes, you might as well make that as much of an event as possible so that people remember that for their history or at least for a couple of generations before they forget about it. Um, because they do, and like I don't know, just really do it up. Yeah, which raises the question for me when we're all hanging out in heaven, are we going to be able to go and like watch? the heaven equivalent of footage from these events because i bet like if you had if you had some good camera angles i bet the the red sea parting was something to behold i wonder if we're going to be able to look back and say that's what that looked like or if we're even going to care anymore that's more questions we have no answers to <laughs> maybe some questions that we will get some insight on and to maybe direct us a little bit. Um, I want to kick this to you, Ryan. When you look at the, especially, I mean, all the plagues, but especially these five plagues, what are some things we as modern day Christians can learn from this, whether it's about the character of God or about different callings we have on our lives? And then also, uh, actually, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna just ask one question at a time and throw that your way. What are okay. What are some takeaways you think there are from this? Um, from the first five, yeah. um, frogs and gnats and flies are annoying. <laughs> uh, no, more more on a serious uh, note. Probably just seeing, um, seeing how God has command over His creation. I think is especially important. That's why I always try and impress 
uh, upon, you know, uh, kids as I'm teaching this in confirmation or wherever else is seeing that, yeah, God does have, you know, total command and control over his creation and that he is willing to do things in creation uh, to make a point. Um, and, you know, and I think it's especially important for us as Christians to see, okay, that these just aren't, you know, 10 isolated events um, that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. In a way, we still see, you know, God having command over his creation uh, when we look at Christ too, right? Uh, command over um, the waters, the wind, and the storm, right? Um, and command over multiplying uh, food, right? Um, for for the 5,000 and so forth, right? Uh, we see him kind of fulfilling a different purpose there, right? Uh, he's not multiplying um multiplying gnats or flies or frogs to aggravate people um but he is demonstrating his power um over creation in the same way so um yeah so i, I think that's my my big kind of takeaway from the 10 plagues is you know god was really out to make a point here and um he he intervenes in creation right uh, especially for us Christians today who live in a world uh, that seems to be very disconnected from God, right? That God, uh, if people do believe in him, uh, he's kind of like that, um, that, you know, clockmaker who's kind of distant and far removed. So, um, you know, God is just as active in his creation uh, when there's, you know, big storms, um, crazy things that happen today. So. Yeah. Well, and to even narrow that down, it's not like God's not arbitrarily exercising his power and authority over creation. He's doing this for the sake of his people. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And I think you're you're right. This shows us how far God is willing to go. And we get an even greater example of that, even though it's the scale of it is maybe smaller. The ramifications are bigger when he's willing to send Jesus to the cross for his people. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, what the plagues do is they, they give us this, this insight, like our God, the God we worship, the God we follow is willing to go to incredible extremes to protect and to lead his people. Mm -hmm. And I, I think as bad as it is to say maybe we should find encouragement and inspiration from the plagues of Egypt, I think there is some of that there because the same God who did all this for Israel is the God who promises eternity to us. So that's a positive spin on this. What about you, Ben? Do you have any anything that you're like, this is a lesson that we can learn here? A funny one? First, God appreciates sensory warfare. Uh, it's not a war crime the first time. <laughs> like, the first two plagues both end with royal amounts of stink. Uh, you've got the, the, the river turning to blood, and it just it stinks and turns the people away. And then you got the frogs where they're like, shoveling corpses yeah, for a few piles days. of dead frogs yeah no thank you yeah like matt I mean, if you're listening to this i know your house had this so you you got cursed by somebody i don't know who it was <laughs> he had he had just a plague number of frogs all like appearing at his house out of nowhere and that's that was his house for a while you, you had to make sure you had a light if you were walking around after dark because there were frogs everywhere mostly outside of his house i think but still gross if you time it right in the right parts of the country you can just get yeah you can just get frogs everywhere um it's at at one point it's like kind of cool and then they start dying and then it's not so much fun um so that's that's the funny one but i think for me one of the other things that kind of strikes me is we always think about these things in terms of our scale so like yeah this was probably millions if not billions of frogs and gnats and flies uh that swarmed the land of egypt 
but think about the scale of Egypt. And we're talking ancient Egypt, so that's probably the upper third of modern Egypt. We're looking at mostly the Delta. Anything south of that, you're starting to get out of the area of Pharaoh's control. Um, and that's a pretty small area within the continent of Africa, which is a pretty small area in the scope of the whole planet, which is a pretty small area in the scope of the solar system, which is a pretty small area in the scope of the universe. Um, like, and yet we look on this event as like, well, God did this incredibly huge thing. This was like some infinitesimally small part of creation that he showed some minute amount of control over. But it was enough for it to be like a human cataclysm, which just like thinking of things on God's scale sometimes makes some of these things that we see as, as massive disasters way less so. Yeah. God big. <laughs> now, thanks for the segue, because and this this is one of the last kind of thoughts I have. But I think this also gives us an excuse to talk about how sin has impacted and continues to impact creation. Because a lot of times when we talk about, even if you look back to the fall, we talk about the fall because this is our nature is egocentric our nature is to focus on ourselves that a lot of times the conversation about the fall is well how did it impact humanity well it introduced death and suffering into the world and we have these and the the relationship between men and women is is fraught with with difficulty but we don't always pay attention to how it impacted creation and so yeah, I want to I want to let you guys loose on that and how how much of what we see afflicting the natural world do we talk chalk up to sin? Um, yeah, how do we navigate that? I want to start by giving a bit of a humorous one, then I'll kick it over to Bazer for the more serious answer. So, like, whenever I think about the impact of sin on creation, I have the genuine curiosity. Like, did God create things in the wake of the fall to harm people and make our lives more annoying? Or did he just adapt the things he'd already created to, to achieve the same purpose and, and bring his justice into the world? So, like, did mosquitoes have a different diet before the fall of creation? Or have they all, like, were they designed with the express intent of making humans miserable in the upper Midwest in the summer. Like, what was the idea there? I know we see we see thorns and briars infesting the ground in, in the curse that God gives to Adam, but does that mean that they just existed, but they were contained? Or did God create them intentionally to like wreak havoc on people who farm or garden or people who have dogs that don't know how to control themselves like to me it's just it's interesting to think about how we see very practical curses brought on humanity's interaction with creation but i'm curious to know and this will be a question i ask god when i get to heaven like to what extent did you work to bring that justice or to what extent did our sin just take things that you had created for a beautiful purpose and twist it and make it something so mischievously awful? Now you get to think on something while you're... <laughs> I don't know. I think you went pretty deep there already, Ben. Um... <laughs> uh... Really, that was just a complete sidebar. That was not actually answering Josh's question. <laughs> uh, I think the, the one thing I would pull out of the, the 10 plagues, especially the five uh, that we've looked at, we see it kind of in the, the second half too, is um, this phrase, you know, how 
how Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And I know you could probably do a whole podcast series on that, that phrase alone. And especially how um, the text tells us that God hardened his heart in a few of the occasions as well. But yet we see with each, each plague, each time that Pharaoh's heart is hardened, there's another one that follows, right? Another plague. And, you know, how, you know, kind of translating that over to us, right? Our, our hearts are hardened naturally um, because of sin, right? And that, yeah, so much of the things that we face in this world, right, um, you know, may indeed be out of our control, but yet may in fact be yeah, because of our sin, right? Because of our our uh, lack of, you know, of living up to our first job description, right? Being stewards and caretakers of the earth, right? Um, and so, you know, I don't think there's definitely a one for one, okay, our sin causes this, but yet our sin does have um, have a lot of play in, you know, the hurt, the suffering, the brokenness that we experience in the world. So, um, you know, contrast that, you know, hardness of heart, uh, that sin with what God promises to give to us, right? Um, you know, Ezekiel 36, 36, right? Um, you know, God giving us a new heart, taking that um, cold heart and replacing it with a new one, of course, in, in Christ. So, I don't know. That's where my mind goes, Josh. So. Yeah. What do you got? Me? Yeah, you don't just get to throw a question out there and not <laughs> give us your What are you talking too. about? I get to do whatever I want. Uh, I'm the host of the meeting. Um, we could leave. <laughs> fair enough. I, I think where my mind tends to go is just, because I have lived in a lot of disaster zones. Like the kind of disaster where if authorities say evacuate it's not a maybe i'm gonna just decide to say it's like a yes everyone needs to leave because the disaster that is coming is not gonna spare like because i know like the midwest has to deal with stuff like tornadoes and tornadoes are terrible but they're relatively speaking their impact is kind of narrow whereas if a hurricane comes through it's not, oh, this is going to destroy a neighborhood or a few houses. It's like anything that was in the path of the hurricane is probably suffering from wind damage, blunt force damage from everything that was thrown around, water damage. Like it, the entire state of Florida at once can get impacted by one of these things. And now we live out in California, welcome wildfires and just kind of consuming everything in their path. And I think the, the fair question when you're dealing with stuff like this, or if you're in, in a smaller area that's been impacted by a tornado or something like that, it's why, why does stuff like this happen? And I think the plagues are a good reminder of humanity is not the only thing that has been impacted by this curse, by the mm -hmm. curse that sin invited into the world. Um, and I, I do believe that these natural disasters we see, earthquakes and fires and tornadoes and hurricanes and, and things like that, they're a result of the brokenness of creation. They're a result of our sin. And like Ryan said, it's not necessarily a one-for-one one thing, right? God isn't necessarily saying, I'm going to punish this region with this cataclysm. Um, but because of the sin of humanity, kind of as a whole across time, we have to contend with things like all these natural disasters. So that's kind of where my head goes with when we see, um, when we see these difficult parts of creation, when we see creation impacted in negative ways, it, it's also our fault. There is not a whole lot we can do about it but it's still our fault. So collectively. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness someone else came to fix it for us. Thanks, Jesus. Oh, 
Are we ready for takeaways? Are we ready to draw this? Oh, by the way, I did look up the episode that Ryan was on. It was titled Kraken Egg. Kraken AG Ag. It was about art, agriculture, farming, etc. Um, and the care of creation. And it was also the first episode where we included our new theme song, which some of you listening hate because it's kind of it's it's a it's a little annoying. Uh, it's it's a little grating on the ears, and I want to let you know that was on purpose, and it still is on purpose. Um, if you hate it that much, you can send me a new theme song. You might convince us to use a different theme song, um, but for now, we're pretty happy with the one we have. Uh, I think the instructions I gave were, we want a theme song, think Happy Tree Friends, and if you've never seen Happy Tree Friends, don't watch it. I don't recommend it. But that's what we were going for. So uh, anyway, takeaways. Are we ready for those? I think so. Now that I've distracted everyone from whatever we were talking about before. Um, Ryan, I don't know if you remember from the last time, but the idea is if you could ask the listener or if you could put one thing on the mind of the listener, kind of one sentence as like, if you learn nothing else today, I want you to take this away. What would that be? Um, and to give you some time to meditate on that, I'm going to make Ben answer first. Oh, you. <laughs> you should have expected this. That's fair. This should not have been a surprise to you, Benjamin. I thought you were going to go first. No, no. Why would I do that? Now I'm just buying Ryan time. Um, I think for me, the, the big takeaway is remember, like, the scale of God compared to the scale of you um we might feel like something is wholly unfair or in in proportionate to uh what we're experiencing what we feel like we're responsible for but god is the god of the universe he's the god of creation he he knows your heart inside and out he knows exactly how the things he's sending your way will land um and he's doing it for a reason. We have no clue what that reason is a lot of time, but he's doing it for a reason. So when you have a question, take your question to the source of the question. Uh, bring those things to God and uh, ask for his wisdom and guidance and, and strength to get through the things that are coming your way. Fair enough. Uh, so to summarize what Ben said, God is bigger than the boogeyman. Uh, He's bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV. I am so glad that you picked up on that reference. Anything more than that, we're going to get demonetized. <laughs> All right, Ryan, what do you got for us? Uh, I appreciate Ben buying me time on this one. Um, You're welcome. <laughs> Uh, when it comes to 10 plagues um, or any kind of big highlight, uh, either Old or New Testament, uh, it can be easy uh, for me. It can be easy. I know for you guys, it can be uh, easy even for someone new to the faith to just kind of gloss over it. You know, hey, I've heard these things once or twice or I grew up, you know, learning about, you know, the 10 plagues in Sunday school or whatever it was. Um, but to continually revisit those familiar parts of scripture of god's word and uh seeing how they fit into the the greater narrative uh of god's story his plan for his people um you know just in our discussion today it really dawned on me that wow you know once we start talking about these things um i really don't know what i'm talking about um so and josh has a shameless plug for something that him and i have put together to kind of help with that um but yeah, you know, just keep on digging. Uh, drink deep uh, from from the waters of of scripture, uh, not from the bloody Nile, but from the waters of scripture. Yeah, that gross. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's I think an excellent takeaway because it's there's always something more to to get from it. Um, oh geez, I did all of this and I didn't think about my takeaway at all. Uh, so. Uh, here's right. my takeaway is that God takes protecting his people really seriously. So feel good about that because to protect his people in the Old Testament, he was willing to curse Egypt with terrible plagues. And that guy is on your side. So 
for those of you listening, I gave a big cheesy smile and two thumbs up. Um, so uh, with that, I think we're ready to draw this episode to a close, which means it is time for shameless plugs. And we do we want to start off inviting Ryan. If there's anything you would like to shamelessly plug, if you guys at your church, you're doing a Bible study series or a, or a podcast or anything else, uh, here is your opportunity to shamelessly plug it to anyone who happens to listen to this podcast. Now you're really putting me on the spot. I can't think of anything at this moment other than... Uh, Buy his know, book. Well, yeah, our book. Um, but other than we always, uh, you know, live stream our, our worship services. Um, and so uh, look us up at First Lutheran Church, Plattsmouth, Nebraska. So, Yeah, if you need a church in that area, Ryan's a good guy. He'll be a good pastor for you. Um, for us, shameless plugs, subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If you're not listening to it on your preferred platform, first of all, that's weird that you decided to do all an alternative but we are on all of the major podcasting platforms go ahead and subscribe to us um it and if at all possible this is the, you can't do this on all platforms but if it's possible on the platform you're listening on go ahead and give us a rating because what that'll do is that helps us get recommended to people who might be interested in listening to stuff like this and if you're still listening after all these episodes we assume you have found some value in this podcast so if you by the grace us, of God. Uh, yeah, if you rate this, then hopefully that will help other people to find whatever value they can in what we're doing here. Because um, as many jokes as we make, we, we are doing this to try and help you guys as our listeners. Uh, we don't entirely just do this for ourselves. Um, speaking of which, if you have any topics you'd like us to pursue that would be helpful to you or any hosts that are like guest hosts that you'd like us to try and get, Go ahead and let us know. If you know us personally, just shoot us a text. If you don't, we have a Facebook page, Man Buns of Jesus. We check it fairly often-ish. Um, just be aware that if it's not a topic from Exodus, we're booked for a little while. So unless it's really something where we really feel like we should talk about right now, um, we're, it's going to be a while. But it will go on a list. We will get there eventually if you submit a topic to us. Um, Gosh, you say that, but we've actually got a couple openings on the schedule coming up before Christmas. So that's true. If you have a fun Christmas episode you'd like us to do, we can do that. We might have to revisit how important it is to wait till Advent to start celebrating because I got some pushback on that last episode we did, and I'd like to double down on uh, my Grinchness, apparently. So, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's it. We have a t-shirt you can buy if you want to put our face on a t-shirt that you have and own. That's it. That's all the shameless plugs for today. Um, brothers and sisters, thank you so much for listening. It has been our pleasure. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God.